0: Happy Halloween, everybody. Welcome back into Mining Stock Daily. And because it's Halloween, uh, we're going to have, I guess what we could say, a little Halloween special. Uh, our friend Rob McLeod, uh, on his day job, is the CEO of Black Wolf Cobber and Gold. Uh, he's come to me with a couple, I guess you could say, ghost stories to entertain us and maybe scare us this Halloween. Uh, Rob, if the markets weren't scary enough, you got to come back and... And really scare us out of our uh, <laughs> out of our pants, huh?
1: Oh man, yeah, the, the zombie companies and uh pure gold <laughs> giving up the gold today and we can we can uh-huh. use all of the Halloween metaphors that uh but we've been scared, I think, for the past nine months. Uh uh scared stiff in some cases. Scared stiff, and... yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in, in the coming weeks, we have some news coming out uh, regarding uh, Black Wolf's uh, projects, uh, particularly from the friendliest ghost town in Alaska, which is Hyder, Alaska. Uh, and uh, uh, a few of the stories that I'd like to share with you today, Trevor, are from uh, the, uh, uh, the, the mysterious North.
0: Oh, that sounds awesome. Uh, so let's start with one of our favorites. This isn't really even a ghost story. Uh, some may call it a myth, some may call it a legend, some may say this thing actually exists because I have seen it. Let's talk about the Yeti himself, Sasquatch.
1: Yeah, well, maybe st- start with some monsters. And I don't know if down in Colorado where you're at, forever. I'm sure there's, uh, there's lots of legend about uh, the mysterious hairy people that uh, are hitting, hiding out in, uh, in the forest. But I tell you, in around Stewart, and in the, the Nass River, and particularly with, with the Nishka people, um, I'd say about a third of the people up there have some sort of Sasquatch story, either hearing it, smelling, uh, having a sighting. You know, I, I remember I was working in a logging camp up there, and uh, 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 a guy who was a couple of years older than me, I was working as a young junior geologist, he had seen a, a Sasquatch and was so freaked out he quit his job and everyone went back to logging. But the, the story I'm going to tell you, and I remember when this happened, uh, and uh, I'm a little surprised it's not hasn't been written up as one of the great Sasquatch sightings. But uh, I, I was a kid, it was 1978, and um, the, the next day at school, all of ki- us kids were so excited and a little bit scared because there was this big Sasquatch sighting. And what it was, was uh, there was a large copper mine uh, called Grand Duke that was operating at the time. And uh, the Stewart area gets a tremendous amount of snowfall. And uh, uh, one night, the, the day shift of miners, there was a busload that was coming down, driving down from the mine down to Stewart. And, uh, and it was dark, uh, you know, probably around 5 o'clock in the evening. And, uh, you know, of course, during the winter, it gets, it's dark quite early up there and suddenly the bus route goes around the bend in a road, and you get tremendous amounts of snow, world-record snow up in, in the Stewart area in the Golden Triangle during the wintertime. And here's this, like, 8-foot-tall, hairy bean that is trying to climb out of the massive snow banks next to the road. And all of these miners saw this, and, you know, miners aren't typically... They can be pranksters, but they're typically not uh, the, the type that want to be mocked for thinking about mysterious hairy beasts out in the world. But they all swear to this thing and eventually they climbed up and over, took one last look at them, and took off into the forest. And the next day, um, you know, a bunch of the dads, I remember my, my neighbor um, growing up, uh, they all went out in snowmobiles and they found this thing's tracks. And so there was something out there that all these miners uh, saw on on that particular day in the winter time. So you know, you still want to keep your ears open for uh, for old Sasquatch when you're up in the Stewart area. Oh,
0: so Did they take any photos of said uh, uh, footprints? Of course not. <laughs> no. For-
1: <laughs> oh,
0: back then, man. some stories are left <laughs> to legend. I would assume. Okay, uh, very interesting. I can't wait to maybe see Sas- Sasquatch next time I'm up there. But Rob, let's let's pivot here from monsters to murder, mind murder. How about that?
1: Yeah, no. And th- this next story, this is um, uh, it's uh, it's a serious one. It's still it's an uh, unsolved case. Ooh. And it's both a murder and, and a little bit of a ghost story. Um, and it's uh, a little bit ironic given the, the tragedy that happened up at the Bruce Jack mine um, uh, uh, about 10 days ago where uh, unfortunately there's a fatality. Um, uh, but Bruce Jack is supposed to be haunted. And again, this is from lots of serious miners that you know mysterious things have happened from uh, in the underground. At, at, Bruce Jack. And, uh, you know, particular source for these spirits, um, could date back to 1989, back when my uncle, uh, Don McLeod had the Bruce Jack property under a company called Newhawk. So we'll tell this story. And it started with another, you know, underground tragedy, the first one up there. And what had happened is, uh, there, an underground supervisor and a young miner, They're driving two big pieces of equipment underground in the mine. And they met in the ramp that was going up to the portal. Uh, So the two pieces of equipment were sitting there in a 15% pretty steep ramp. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the young miner was in uh, the scoop that was further down the the ramp. And there was a second scoop that the supervisor was in uh, that was further up. And when he had gotten out, the supervisor got out of the scoop, his, um, his uh, apparently, uh, his lamp cord uh, released the emergency brake just as the young miner was crossing in between both pieces of equipment, and it crushed him. He immediate, the supervisor immediately put the uh, badly uh, injured miner into the, the bucket of the scoop and took him up to surface. They immediately lo- uh, put the miner into the uh, helicopter to fly him to Stewart for medical treatment as the helicopter was lifting off, and I had a few friends that remember this the The miner in the helicopter put his like fist up um, potentially to wave at uh, to tell his buddies that he was going to make it, um, or maybe he was shaking his fist at the supervisor. Mm. And unfortunately, that miner died on the helicopter trip to Stewart. Two days later, um, there were nine miners working underground. You know, things were uh, just uh, another normal day in terms of an advanced exploration project at at New Hawk. And uh, the, the night shift and the day shift supervisors were standing near the portal with a third miner talking. And they all must have been pretty sad, Everybody was very upset about uh, the, the, the fatality, unfortunately. You know, you get very close to people when you're working in mining camps. And they heard a pop from underground. Now, what they probably thought had happened is uh, there was a jumbo miner or jumbo drill that was working that was driving the ramp. And what can happen is if you have misfired dynamite is you drill into it and there'll be an explosion. And, of course, that could seriously hurt somebody. So all three miners started running down the ramp. Precisely seven seconds later, the powder magazine exploded. And so this is, oh, about 600 pounds worth of dynamite. Uh, not all of it went up, but a significant portion. The long and the short is two of those miners, two, the two supervisors, they were, were killed. And, um, and, and the third guy managed to survive. All of the men working underground—they, you know, climbed into the bucket of the scoop, came out through the smoke, and uh, uh, and 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 were okay, despite you know some earaches aches from the tremendous concussion. Um, the th- this was quite the story. Um, my uncle and my cousin at the time went up to try and find out what what had happened. Um, the it, it was interesting. The powder magazine it. The whole thing didn't blow up, so it likely wasn't a miner that wired it. It could have been an electrician. It could have been a cook. Mm. They never figured out who committed the myrtle. It's still an unsolved case. Um, There's a famous mine manager up in northern B.C. named Doug Flynn, uh, who was the mines inspector. Uh, He was actually... um, They did not allow him in. It was the RCMP that tried to do the investigation, their bomb squad. And they're not experts in mining. So uh, my, my friend Doug, it's still one of his great regrets of his career. He never found out who it was. But there's supposed to be a ghost that ha- ha- haunts, or maybe multiple, that haunt Bruce Jack to this mm. day.
0: It could yeah. be the ghost of that young miner.
1: It could be the ghost. could be the ghost of the underground supers. Mm. It's, uh, uh, you know, you, you're here and chatting with friends over the years, and you know, I'm, I uh, I like ghost stories, but I really like mining history. And you know, at so many of these old camps, there's lots of these. I was just chatting with Rob Van Eggman with Dolly Varden Silver, and he's telling me about a, uh, uh, Alice Armas haunted by um, an old clockmaker. So isn't that a creepy yeah, one? That is creepy.
0: That's good. that is creepy. All right Rob, you got another story for us
1: yeah so the, the, the last one today and this, this was actually it was quite a bit closer to home and it, uh, well it's all close to my home up in Stewart BC but uh, at uh, the Red Mountain project back uh, during uh, my previous company IDM mining, um, my, my history at that project is it was where I, I first uh, started working as a junior geologist back in in, uh, in 1993. And uh, before I had started there, there was a, a project manager named, um, uh, who was Austrian, who worked for Loch Minerals. His name was Andreas Vogt. And uh, there, was, there was a tragedy up there where he, he um, was allergic to bee stings. And on one uh, sad day up there, he was up, actually Charlie Gregg, a famous explorationist, and my friend Kate Bull, they were both with him. And he was stung by a bee working up in the high Al- uh, alpine up there uh but did not have his epi pen with him and so he sat up against a rock and and passed away unfortunately so um he he was a very well well loved man um the the my bosses at the time built a memorial cairn which is still up at red mountain to this day uh that you know honored his life as a as a wonderful person and a, and a great explorationist and the fellow that discovered red mountain and uh when I was up there, and then in subsequent years, uh, his wife and he had two young children that would come up to, to visit the Cairn, you know, go up and visit their dad who had passed away in, in, uh, in the early to mid-90s. So fast forward to 2016, and uh, with IDM, we were just really ramping up our efforts up at Red Mountain, and I got a call from Stuart, uh, actually from the, from the um, uh, Yellowhead helicopter base, and they said, hey, there's a, a young man here, and, uh, and his, the, his, his wife were newlyweds. They, they said that there's a memorial to their father up at Red Mountain, and they are wondering if they could come up and, and visit. And I knew exactly who it was. It was the little boy who I remember who would come up to visit his dad. He'd grown up to be a man and had bought, uh, brought his wife up to go up and, and visit, uh, visit his father on their honeymoon from Austria. And so, you know, we flew him up there, and he got to pay his respects and, and uh, said goodbye to my crew up there, and, and and off he went. And right after that, we started to have um, a bunch of pretty strange sightings uh, around the project, and, you know, probably a dozen different members of our team, particularly the Nishka First Nation, where they would feel the presence and then see this large, this tall, dark Figure Andreas was a tall man, standing behind them, typically in the core shack or up by the generator where the old core shack used to be, and a peaceful feeling from this particular spirit, that was very likely the 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 ghost of uh, of Andreas Vogt. and there's a mountain right next to Red Mountain that is uh, actually the officially named Andreas Vogt now, so it really is uh, it's a re- uh, remarkable. Um, uh, uh, legacy for for a great man and a great geologist, whose spirit still might roam uh, that particular gold deposit. Mm. So it's uh, it was pretty wild. It it didn't really scare anybody, but you know whether it was Nishka or Cook and geotechs and geologists and miners um, uh, would all see that ghost of of Andreas.
0: All these stories make you want to host a, a haunted Halloween mine tour. Oh man,
1: well I'm a director of the Britannia Mine Museum so if uh, uh, any of your listeners are from Vancouver uh, make sure you go up and, and see uh, what's another ghost town yeah. uh, the, uh, the, the Britannia Mine so it's um, uh, it, it, thank you Trevor for allowing me to uh, share some of these spooky stories and part of our important mining history in, in Northwestern British Columbia
0: yeah, We'll talk business next time you and I, chat, I'm sure we're set up for a meeting uh, in Frankfurt, I believe. So, in a couple of weeks, Rob, you and I will do this in person. Except no ghost stories. All right. Real business. Sounds good. <laughs> well, if, uh, if the market still stays the same,
1: maybe yeah. uh, that would be a little bit more interesting than commiserating about lotion. That's prices. right.
0: <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, that's it for us here this Halloween on Mining Stock Daily. We'll be back tomorrow morning. Be safe this evening. Have fun. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.